Hey, what's up, guys? This is Clint McGill, and uh, pumped to be with you here on the podcast today. I always appreciate you tuning in. And uh, today is a podcast I'm really excited to share with you, because uh, I've mentioned before that um, you know I love sharing stuff from coaches and trainers and that sort of thing. But I really think that uh, as athletes, as coaches, that a lot of the the most uh, impactful information that we can learn comes from outside of sport and that we can learn from the military and their new techniques. We can learn from, you know, the business world and things that are being successful there. And today we have on Mike Sesniak of the Results Engine podcast. And Mike is a high performance coach, deals with a lot of uh, individuals who are looking to grow their businesses. And uh, I know Mike personally, and I was like, man, I've got to have you on here and I want you to share some things. And uh, he was a little skeptical at first. He's like, man, I don't know. He's like, you know, I love sports because I'm not big into baseball and that sort of thing. I don't know if I can help. And I'm like, trust me, uh, a lot of the things you teach on efficiency and goal setting is something I want my audience to hear. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. All right. We're going to talk a lot about uh, how to set goals, right? Because we have a lot of kids who are well-intentioned, right? They have big dreams, then they're dream is pretty much to play college baseball or to major league baseball, but there's no goals being set beyond that, right? Like, you know, what are we looking to get better at this month? So kids kind of end up drifting through their development as opposed to being more intentional about how they're going to get better, what they're going to do. And uh, there's just ways to skyrocket their results. And uh, I think what Mike brings here today, you're really going to appreciate. But before we get started, I want to read a quick testimonial from a bulletproof hitter parent. Clint, I really believe in your products and recommend them to all my players and coaches. The Bulletproof Hitter is phenomenal and has really given my son awesome tools and a new level of confidence that I hadn't seen before. It has really improved our sports relationship and given him the mental freedom to communicate with me during practice sessions and games. Thanks again for all you do, Kent. Well, Kent, thanks for sending that in. I always love to hear that uh, this stuff's making an impact. And uh, anyway, without further ado, let's get started with Mr. Mike Sesniak. All right, Mike, thanks for being here today, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well, Clint. Thanks for having me, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Excited to have you and uh, you share your time with us here. So uh, before we get into some of the questions I've got for you, why don't you give my audience here a little bit of a background on how you got into high performance coaching and uh, just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so first of all, thanks for having me, man. I really, really, uh, I'm excited to be here. And, um, you know, we've known each other for a little bit. It's been really cool to see what you're doing. And any way that I can support that, I'm all in. So uh, I run a company called The Results Engine, which is a high-performance coaching and consulting company. I work with a lot of small business owners, sales pros, agency owners, things of that nature, people where their income or their revenue is very tightly coupled to their personal production. So uh, basically help them get super focused on what those revenue driving activities are and help them increase production and, and performance around those key areas without the anxiety, without the burnout, without the overwhelm, all the things that we think usually come along with that scale. Um, but before that, I mean, I, I had a really interesting journey, I think. And uh, my college search was entirely based on where I could play soccer. So um, that's one thing. Dumb lucked my way into engineering engineering, which is a, another funny story. Um, and then ended up in the software engineering space for five years. And I used that really as a vehicle to fund everything, you know, software outside of like, outside of a, a sales role or having some sort of commission or ownership, 
of the business. Uh, engineering is really one of the only, one of the highest paying, I think, industries. And so I was making a bunch of money at a really young age, hitting all the targets I thought I needed, I thought I wanted. In the public eye, things were great. But behind closed doors, I was completely broken. And uh, it led me down a path that ultimately led to me creating and getting involved in the coaching space. And happy to dive into whatever of that is valuable for your audience. Um, but yeah, this was the third business I started while in corporate America. I was really doing that Gary V five to 7 AM, 7 to 11 PM, and then waking up and repeating. And, um, and this was the third of those businesses. And I was just constantly on a, on a search or a pursuit to find a way for me to impact at scale. Cause I knew that my income would always be directly proportional to the number of lives that I touched in a positive way. Um, Shout out to Bob Berg and John David Mann who wrote The Go-Giver. It's where I got that formulation, that phrase. But impact over income was always the thing for me. And this was just another way for me to do that. And it's been working really well. And eventually was able to walk away from the engineering salary and take the business full time after about a year and a half of building it and haven't looked back. So it's been, uh, it's been fun. Awesome. That's cool. I had no idea you played soccer. Do you end up playing soccer in college? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and maybe it's similar in baseball, but for me, um, you know, my junior year was really when my club team club being like travel team, I guess you could say, I don't know the terminology in baseball, right? but we would start going a lot of these college showcases and each one of these showcases had a, a list of the coaches that would be there. So the process for me was print out the list, bring it to my guidance counselor and he would highlight or circle every coach that was like in the realm of what I wanted to do academically as well. Cause my parents were very much like, cool. If you can go D one amazing, right. But you're not going D one for the sake of going D one. You're going to go get a freaking education regardless if we, you know, if we're paying for it or not, like you're not just going to get a piece of paper from an arbitrary school just for the sake of playing high quality soccer. So I would bring it to my guidance counselor. He would help me highlight it. And literally one conversation was, you're good at math and sciences. Do you want to, you, you should look at engineering. I'm like, cool. Do they make a lot of money? Right. right. At the time, <laughs> all I cared about was making a bunch of money, retiring young so I could open a pit bull rescue foundation. That was all I cared about as a kid. And, um, yeah, I just dumb lucked. I got recruited by a really good engineering school, played D three ball in upstate New York, uh, walked away with a really, really good degree and led me on the path. Ah, okay. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, yeah, I knew you had a, a, a powerlifting background, but not the soccer. So that's, uh, that's cool to hear. So yeah, the powerlifting uh, is new. It was just another evolution of the gym that started with the soccer training to get recruited. Uh, ah, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, well, yeah, well, so let me kind of explain the situation that we're running into here with, uh, a lot of parents who have kids my age, my son's 10 and, uh, you know, basically any school age kid has some very limiting time restrictions, right? Like there's all For these sure. obligations with school. Um, they have other activities, some of them, you know what I mean? And so what's going on is that players want to get better at their sport, right? And we have just limited amount of hours to do that. And we want to get the most out of those hours, right? And mm -hmm. so having you know goals is something that a lot of guys really don't have at least you know the guys their goals are pretty much the extension of um you know i want to make the big leagues 
You know what I mean? Okay. There's nothing about, you know, what I want to be in six months or whatever, you know, that type of thing. And so guys are sort of drifting through their development and, uh, you know, parents are faced with a really difficult position of like, Hey, um, we don't want our kid to fall behind. We want him to, you know, he's practicing three days a week with his team. And then, you know, if you want him to get better now, you've got to do more work. And mm-hmm. so again, these kids are 10, 12, 13 years old. And everybody's like, man, I would love to be giving my kid, my son, my daughter some rest. And so I think the best answer would be to maximize the time that they're already putting in. You know what I mean? For sure. And I know you've, you've spoken a lot on goal setting and time management, efficiency. And uh, I, I want to see how that can apply to, you know, to, to athletics or just, just in general on what you guys do there. I mean, what, what can we do to be better goal setters and be more efficient? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's such an important topic. And I, first of all, I think that kids and younger athletes are actually at an advantage in the sense that like society hasn't completely beaten down all their dreams yet, you know, based on like what's realistic. I just finished a great conversation with uh, our mutual friend, Ricky Mendez. We're in New York recording a podcast right now. We had a great conversation about this on my show about this importance of having these audacious and unrealistic dreams. Um, And I, I think that it is, it is super, super important. And I think that as a kid, like we, we probably still have that. You know, and, and we're working towards it. But the point that you, that you mentioned that I think is so important is we might be lacking that in the middle. Like the goal may be cool. I want to make the majors. But like where do I want to be in a year? Like where do I want to go to college? Like some of those in the middle steps might be lacking for some people. And in the high performance world, that's really just clarity, right? Seeking clarity is uh, it's the most important high performance habit. It's the cornerstone habit really now when we we, you could think of a rising tide right like a rising tide lifts all ships or whatever that phrase is right right clarity is the rising tide and all clarity is is asking better questions right it's um what i love about seeking clarity and the fact that it's so important is that seeking clarity is not inherently difficult high performers just do it more frequently and more consistently Right. So a great example that I always love to share is how Oprah starts every meeting. I don't know if she still does this. I'd imagine she does, but when I learned it, it was really cool. And basically as simple as asking one question at the start of every meeting, which is what's our intention for this meeting. Right. And that's a really, really small scale time-wise, but it sheds a great light because it's like, cool. When we know what we want, and we know what we're doing with our time, we could be super intentional. And those little time blocks add up to the bigger vision and ultimately add up to that huge audacious goal that's seemingly unrealistic, quote unquote, right? Um, So yeah, I'm ranting at this point because it's something that I really, really get fired up about. But the importance of those intermediary goals is really, really, I think really important when we're younger because it really gives us the stepping stones, right? Towards what we want to create because... Dude, if you're, you know, eight, 10, 14 years old and your goal is to play in the majors, cool, good on you. But like, what, what are we going to, what are we shooting for next year? Like, what's that target? Because then that's like a little bit more within reach. 
Yeah, I think, I, man, I think that's uh, the nail on the head there, really. I think being more intentional about what you're trying to do because, yeah. you know, I know a lot of kids on, you know, my team I've coached and just, you know, just the age in general is that they're out there, they're doing the work, right? They're coming to practice every day. They put their backpack down and they, you know, put their cleats on and uh, anything Coach Clint tells them to do, they're going to do it. You know what I mean? And then they go home and hopefully Coach Clint did a good job today of, uh, you know, training them and, you know, you just want to, you know, I'd almost rather be from my perspective, almost be an accountability coach as far as like, what do you want to get better at? And how can I support you in that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think players can really benefit from having an intention of like, Hey, this year I'm going to get better at blank. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we've got three months of season and by the end of it, we're going to be better here. You know what I mean? And those middle steps are huge because, you know, like really in, in baseball, I feel like, um, you know, the, that like what college you're going to go to is really when the rubber meets the road. That's like the first decision, right? Like, yeah. you know, up that's until then. Well. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And so like, you know, that's, you know, you're 16, 17 years old. You start thinking about that, like seriously, you know, maybe 15 if you're a phenom or something. Um, but you've got all those years from seven through 14 that you're just kind of going to practice and hoping, you know, coach fill in the blank is doing a good job. You know what I mean? And so I think having, I mean, what, what's the answer here? Like having intermediary goals, like setting some time aside to, to be realistic about, I don't know. I mean, what, what, what works well with your guys, like 60 day goals, year long goals. I mean, what, uh, what would you recommend to a client that came to you and has got a big dream and looking to take a small bite out of it? Yeah. So a lot of the work that I do is a lot shorter term. Um, again, understanding the importance of the longer term vision, but a lot of the work that I do in some of my programs is what I would call more like blitz work, right? So it's like, how are we going to, how are we going to do some work in a very short, short term period to build the foundation that will create, like put us on the trajectory to create what we want to create. So for me, like my personal practice, what this looks like for me is, uh, understanding like what I want bigger picture and honestly, I don't really get like a lot of people are like 10, 15 year goals. Like that's cool for me. That bigger picture is the impact I'm striving for. And I don't know, I'm open to being wrong about that, but that that's sort of where I look bigger picture. Uh, and obviously I, I have a, a better understanding of like the lifestyle I want to create, like what I want my life to look like and all those sorts of things. But I get really, really meticulous on the short term. And maybe it's like the engineer in me. I'm like, love like pragmatic like this is what I need to do to get there and by the way I'm not always right uh, for example I just did a blitz to finish Q4 it's like January I think 15th when we're recording this yep uh, to finish Q4 of 19 I realized about 93 days out from the end of the year that I really wanted I was nowhere near where I wanted to be uh, 2019 like punched me in the face repeatedly as I am sure it did to a lot of people. And I realized I was nowhere near where I wanted to be. So I'm like, cool, what can I do right now to finish the year strong and put myself in a position where one, maybe I can recoup some of those losses and two, I'm firing at all cylinders by the time 2020 comes around. And for some of the goals that I set, I had like weekly and daily non-negotiables action items. And some of them I crushed. Like one of the goals was to get a certain number of guests on my podcast that was launching. And I crushed that by about 300%. There were other goals that I crushed at, I don't know, single digit percent. And that was because I, I, I grossly underestimated the, the action item or the quantity at which I needed to do that. Um, 
Now, there's a couple pieces of that that I want to just throw on there really quickly. One, when we're, when we're building those habits, the doing of the thing is the most important, right? John Asraf told us a, a couple years ago on that expert call with our mastermind that sometimes we need to reduce it to the ridiculous and start to build that habit first. So even that seemingly like quote unquote loss was valuable because I was starting to build the habit of doing the thing. I just needed to ramp up the intensity, which comes with time. Um, but at least it got me executing. It got me building the confidence, right? Doing what I said I was going to do, building that self-confidence and working towards the goal. I just needed to pivot and, and adapt a little bit. Um, now to reel it back into your question, I go year, six month, three month, month, daily and weekly. Daily and weekly is not really a goal. It's it, those are the action items. Like what are my non-negotiables? I love this phrase non-negotiable. Like, what am I going to build my life around? Uh, and, and that's business and life. Uh, no, it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah. No, sorry to interrupt you on that one, but, no, uh, but yeah, I think, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, having those, those short-term goals, those action steps and, uh, you know, kind of like what you had said was those consistent habits because it's easy for someone to set a goal, right? Like, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say it's easy to, but that's, you know, there's sort of a couple levels to this, right? There's one where you're just sort of showing up and you're going out there and practicing and hopefully you get better by the end of the, the, end of the time. I don't even know how to measure this, you know what I mean? And then there's goal setting, which says, hey, at the end of this season, I'm going to be throwing, you know, X amount of miles an hour harder, or, you know, I'm going to be hitting the ball to right field better or whatever the little case may be. And then the next level is how do you accomplish that? Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, talk to me a little bit about like measuring the progress, like how important is that with your clients? Because I think guys can say, Oh, I'm just going to be stronger by the end of the year. And then they look up, you're like, are you stronger? Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, I did it. You know what I mean? It's everything right? Like it's such a hot topic to talk about right now because we're right past, I want to say the statistic is January 13th where almost everybody fails their new year's resolutions. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Like whatever that date is. And a huge reason for that is exactly what you talked about. They're not measurable. They're not specific. They don't know what they want, right? Like it's new year's resolutions are so stereotypically, I just want to lose weight. Well, cool. How much and by when? you know, and, and what are you going to do to get there? And is that sustainable? There's so much that we can go into, but yeah, to answer your question, everything is, it needs to be measurable and it needs to be, uh, something that, that we can track. We know exactly what the target is and we know exactly what we're going to do for it. Right. So when we are tracking it and we see, cool, we are on track or we aren't on track, we can pivot as necessary. Like the example I gave before, there was one, one specific target I was working towards that, man, I came nowhere close to, right? And, and I couldn't have been able to figure that out if I wasn't tracking the action items versus, or like the output versus what was coming back in, right? In that case, it was, you know, stages booked or whatever it was. Um, I knew what my outreach was looking like and I knew what my target was in terms of the income or the, in, the, the input, but uh, I could see that I wasn't there. So I knew that I could adapt. So yeah, having it measurable is everything. Um, and for me, that usually looks like monthly, I don't know. I, I personally work in, uh, in like 30 days, I'll like adapt and and see, like, I I like to work in four week increments because a lot of the work I do is in 90 days. And, um, 
I just like to break that into three separate blitzes personally. But if you don't, if you're not measuring and we don't have a specific target, we can't realistically know if we're making any progress. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing that I've noticed with myself personally too, and maybe you can speak to this, you see it with yourself or with your clients you deal with is that if, when I have eight goals at one time, the eight things I'm trying to get better at, uh, zero things actually get better. You know what I mean? Like maybe eight things, yeah. like maybe eight things like went up 1%, you know, or four things went up 1%, but it's like when there's when I focus on one thing, maybe two things that like, I'm going all in on this for the next month. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I make a noticeable difference on that. And so for me, it isn't so much about like, you know, just picking one thing that I'm going to go all in on. It's almost picking the things I'm going to concede. You know what I mean? And is there, and to kind of put it in like the baseball perspective, um, like, like our, our team, like 10 years old, last year we were nine new, and that's the first year where kids are pitching to them. Right. And everybody gets kind of weirded out. You know what I mean? Eight you, they're dropping bombs off coach Clint and then nine you, it's just kind of different, right? You're not getting strikes. You're kind of scared to get hit, whatever. Yeah. And so what, all, when I realized that all we had to do was we had to be better at hitting, right? Like being up there and taking on time swings, taking aggressive swings. And like, if we didn't do that, really nothing else mattered. Right. And so like practice time, you know, we had all these cool drills and we, you know, we were, uh, you know, doing these outfield cuts, you know, how to do all these things. And it's like, look, if we're not hitting well, like if we're not putting ourselves in a position to swing the bat on time, like we really don't need to do anything else. So we kind of like stopped all that extra stuff. And, uh, you know, like our rundowns when a runner's getting, you know, uh, caught between second and third, uh, we're just like, I just, hey, good luck boys. <laughs> you know what I mean? During the game. And, uh, you know, I got outfielders showing up to help with the play just cause we hadn't worked on it because we had gone, gone all in on the hitting part. And so yeah. it's kind of tough to work. concede. Yeah, it went well. It went well. And we tried to measure it too. Like we were, you would measure whether the swing was on time and didn't even have to make contact, but you just had to be making sure you weren't late. Right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you were, because you were whatever. And, um, you know, having the, having kind of a goal, uh, was very helpful. It really did help. And so I didn't know if that was something that was, you know, common with, with the people that you see who are high, you know, high performers is just like the things they're willing to avoid, right? Like there was things that we were definitely not addressing, but mm -hmm. we didn't feel like, you know, we didn't, it wasn't prioritized. You know what I mean? So is that, yeah. is that what you see with some of your guys or not? Yeah. And that's, that's the key, right? Like there's that age old phrase, Jack of all trades, master of none. Right. And like, I don't know, for me, average is the scariest thing in the world. Right. Like there's that, one of my favorite quotes is being realistic is the most commonly traveled path to mediocrity. And it's why I hate the word realistic because mediocrity scares the crap out of me. Right. Um, and, and if I'm going to do a lot of these things, or if I'm going to try and improve a million things at once, I'll maybe make incremental gains in each area, but that's not really going to get me to where I want to go. Like sometimes you need to go all in on a certain key area and you're spot on, man. Like it's, it's really, really difficult to not just not just focus on one thing, like focusing is often the easy part. The difficult part is getting over that mental hump of like, I got to leave such and such behind or like, I got to, I got to get rid of certain things. And, um, you know, one of my favorite practices is called the law of three. It's like a productivity hack. I guess you could say, uh, it's from Brian Tracy's eat the frog and basically, and I'll try and translate it into 
uh, into sports terminology, but usually I talk about it through a business lens. And basically that means, you know, if we look at all the things that we need to do for our business, that if they don't, if we don't do them, they fall apart, everything falls apart. Usually there's like seven to 10 items that would go on that list. And the science has shown that 90% of those results are yielded from three of those actions. So about 30% of the actions yield 90% of the results. Now, what that means is if we get, let's assume a perfect world where things are like evenly distributed, like we fill the rest of our calendar, we get rid of the 70%, fill the rest of the calendar with everything. That means that we can get about 300% of the results by trimming the fat and getting rid of the stuff that doesn't matter. Right? So, a process like that can focus on or help us focus on like, what should we be getting rid of? And, and I don't necessarily know how that translates to your world, but it helps illustrate the point at the very least, like we need to be focusing on, on what actually matters. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I mean, that's, like I said, the, all of my experiences, I mean, it's hard not to, you know, want to get better at your backhand and your forehand and uh, the slow roller and I'm going to hit the ball to right field better and I'm going to, you know, uh, pitch better and it's like hey okay that's that's a great I don't know year-long goal but January which one of those are we going to get better at right now you know what I mean and so and so I think you know dividing it into you know one knowing what you're going to get better at like too many kids you ask them like hey what do you want to get better at uh hitting you know what I mean? Like, well, that doesn't help it. You're going to get better at hitting. Okay. You know what I mean? But like, uh, and it's not their fault. They, yeah, they've never, they've never thought to, to answer that question or ask themselves that question. And so I think coaches, parents, they can, you know, guide them along by like, Hey, look, what do you want to get better at? Let's nail this thing. Right. And so, cause it does seem to be, you know, a pretty common trait where, you know, you can absolutely make, steady progress. If you build in those habits, say two minutes a day, every day, just two minutes, not even have to do three, you know what I mean? But build that in. And then for a month, you're going to be better. All right. We feel like we got that in a better position. Let's go to the next one. I mean, exactly. I mean, you do that six times in a year, not even 12. You six times. If you're substantially better at six things in a year, I mean, you know, that's, that's a good year. That's an amazing year. Yeah, exactly. And you hit on so many key points right there that I really want to just underline really quickly. One, the importance of asking good questions, right? Like, man, I wish I knew this at a younger age, but if we want better answers, we need to start asking better questions. And uh, something as simple as, cool, what's my target right now? And maybe the target is to become the best baseball player in the history of the world right? It's like, cool. Well, what do I need to do to get there? Right. And we could start going down the rabbit hole. It's like, okay, well, I need to work on this, 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 and this. Well, what's the most important thing for me to develop right now? Well, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's swinging on time to use your example before, like making sure the swing is coming on time because the goal is we're like three levels down at this point. Want to be the best baseball player, need to work on hitting what needs to happen for me to be a better hitter. Swing needs to be on time. Right. It's probably one of the most important things. I don't know. I'm not a baseball guy. Yeah, right. I'm boss, with you. So hopefully your <laughs> listeners don't hate me. No, but, no, no. Um, we got love for everybody over here. We're all good. Yeah. Keep and so, you know, the swing speed, the swing timing is really, really important. Cool. What needs to be worked on to get there? And you have like a small subset of, of exercises, right? You, that doesn't mean you don't need to be better at your base running. It doesn't mean you need to, you don't need to be better at fielding, whatever your position is. It just means that the hitting is the most important right now. And 
maybe you still do you do your work to maintain your skill sets in all the other areas, but you go all in on building that one skill set right now. Maybe that's January and February and March, however long that window is before you pivot. But you need to have that skill set built up, and going all in on it is so important because otherwise, you know, we only have so much time in the day. And you mentioned prioritization, like that's the key. Like, what's the most important? Because not everything deserves our time. And it doesn't mean it's not important. It just means that it's not the most important in this exact window of time. All right. No, that makes perfect sense, Mike. I appreciate that. And uh, as we wrap it up here, do you have any parting words of wisdom for the audience here? Any common traits you see from you know, some successful people you work with or just, just anything you'd like to share with the audience before we go? Yeah. I mean, going along the theme of, of what we have been talking about, I think that the world's highest performers and, and the people that I see that are succeeding at the highest levels, right? At the end of the day, we all have 24 hours. That's it. So like what separates people like in the, in, in the business world, people like Oprah and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos or right. And um, like what separates them? Because we have the same time, so how have they been able to achieve what they've been able to achieve? And we're, you know, wherever we are in our journey, like we're not there yet. What's the difference? And at the end of the day, it comes down to really being able to maximize our time around what's important. You know, and this is something that I didn't understand for a long time. It's why I struggled a ton with anxiety and panic along my journey. Um, because I didn't realize that doing things didn't matter if the things I was doing didn't matter. Right. And so if, if we can figure out how to maximize that time and how to show up most effectively, and by the way, that doesn't mean working 37 hours a day if that's not what we want to do. It just means we're living in alignment with what we want to create longer term, right? And the same goes for sports as it does for business. If we know what we want, we have that clarity, we could show up powerfully and maximize that schedule. So I guess the steps, if we were to break it down, one, get immensely clear on what you want and figure out what it takes to get there. You know, if you're, you know, 10, 12 years old, maybe that looks like asking your parents to help you research. Actually, kids are way smarter than us are, than we are. So like hop on Google and figure out what did uh, Mike Trout do to get where he was? Like, what did his training schedule look like? And we could start to reverse engineer what the schedule looked like and then figuring out what, what needs to fill that schedule. And if we can maximize that time in a way that's in alignment with what we want, right, in direct correlation, we know that it will lead to what we want, then we can show up powerfully. And that's how we can collapse that window. That's how you can start to get recruited by that, that top school that you want, which will lead to, you know, potentially minor league ball afterwards or getting drafted. I don't know how the MLB works, but like getting drafted in most sports, right? And doing really, really well, right? That it all comes back to what we're doing now. And if we can maximize that time, we could shorten the window to getting to where we want to go. Man, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing with it. So uh, if anybody out there is wanting to hear more about what you do, um, where can they find you? What's, what, what's some good places that uh, they can reach out to you with any questions or see what you're up to? Yeah, man. The best place is probably the podcast. I run a show called The Results Engine. So wherever you're listening to this show, it's likely there. All the major podcasting platforms, just type in The Results Engine. Don't even bother trying to spell my name because it's crazy. There's a lot of Zs in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's the best place for us and uh, putting out a lot of interviews, a lot of solo content coming up soon. And if you love this high performance stuff, you're going to love what we're, what we're doing over there. So feel free to reach out. Instagram is just at Mike Sesniak. You might have to link that one up with all this. Yeah. Stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put the links all in there for that. And definitely check out that podcast, guys. It's, uh, I've, I've listened to darn near all of them and uh, some very, uh, very high caliber people. Mike's on show on his show and uh, Mike himself is just uh, always dropping the knowledge. So um, anyway, Mike, we appreciate you being out here. Clint, thank you so much, man. This has been fun. I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, no problem. No problem. All right, man. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.